Amen. Well, uh, I think you guys all know me, I hope. Um, a lot of familiar faces, but if you don't, I'm Kevin. I'm one of the elders here. If you guys don't know, we have a team of elders that oversee the church. I mean, you guys see Brett week in and week out, and that's, that's awesome. That's great. The best of, of what we can offer. But uh, behind the scenes, there's a whole group of us that are uh, talking, weighing, you know, whatever, discussing, working together to oversee the church to seek after what the Lord has for us. And so um, it's an honor, I hope, that as Brett gets some much-needed, much-deserved time off, he feels comfortable and good that uh, the word that's going to come is, is what the Lord has for us this morning. And so uh, you'll be shocked to know we're still in the book of Mark. So if uh, you were wondering, oh, what's Kevin going to break out? I'm, I'm not original. I'm going to keep it going. The book of Mark has been great, and uh, we've been looking at what Jesus, when Jesus calls, that's the series that Brett had and that the Lord put on his heart, and it's been amazing. It's been awesome for me. Uh, today, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, verse 20, starting in verse 20. If you guys want to turn there in your Bibles, if you guys need a Bible, you can raise your hand. We got some in the back. They can bring them to you, whether you want regular print that you can see or the smallest print you've ever seen in your life. We can um, offer either of those to you. Uh, but while they're bringing that, Mark chapter 4, verse 20. And we're going to be looking at a call to fruitfulness, right? And we've seen, that we looked as Mark, Brett said early on in the beginning of the series, kind of the opening message, Mark is a book that tells us who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. That's the most simple way that we could break it down. And we're going to probably get more into that second piece. So with that... Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 20, I think it'll probably be up here, but just in case, I'll be reading from the ESV. And Mark chapter 4, verse 20 says, But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. Nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. Guys, if you haven't kind of seen or heard, and I think we've talked about it, there's a, a number of families in the church who are in that, are kind of now getting over that season of graduation, of high school graduation. Uh, I don't think we've had any college graduations, at least yet, but coming, but we've been through a season. We had a, a healthy uh, crop of seniors this year, and uh, we've been watching them, and we, you guys have been watching us go through that graduation season, and then preparing to either go into the world to work or go to college. Um, and I read this passage, as I read this passage, it's sort of a, we just like jump into the story, but as I read this passage, I can imagine um, like a parent saying to these grown children, now they're coming, um, as they're about to go out into the world, exactly sort of these kinds of things, right? Like, uh, hey, the kids who do well are the ones who apply themselves, right? The ones who study, right? Who much is given. Those are the ones who, who do well. Or, man, you guys are so smart and talented. 
Are you just going to waste that talent? Are you just going to put it under a basket? Like, isn't that made to be done something with? Right? This resonates with me as a, as a father of a, of a graduating senior. Right? Or you might actually say, hey, it's the ones who, who pay attention and they know how to apply these things um, will be successful. Right? Or the ones who just skate by. It's going to eventually catch up with them. Right? One says, who, who has not, it'll even more will be taken away. It's going to eventually come out. Right? Much like we desire for our kids to grow into knowledge, to grow into maturity, with the goal of what? Of being happy, of being fulfilled, of being functional, right? Desire, Jesus desires for us to also be fruitful. And like I said, today's passage, we're sort of dropping into the middle of one of Jesus' teachings about the kingdom of God and about how he's working in the world. So it's a, it's a little jarring, right? This doesn't feel like a good intro point like you feel like I jumped in and like wait he's already talking about what what's going on and what do I have and don't put it under a bush or under a, 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 a covering and and like wait I feel like I, I missed some missed some stuff but guys this is building on where we've been right the kingdom of God is about how or sorry today's passage we drop in it's talking about how he's about who God is and the kingdom of God and how he's working here in the world and the call to fruitfulness is alluded to in lots of places in Scripture and in Jesus' teachings, this is just one of those places. And so, like I said, this is the culmination of the things that we've studied and even more that he talks about. Right? We've talked about the call that he calls us to follow. He calls us to surrender, to be healed. And he calls us, like we talked about last week, to enter into relationship. But once all those things begin to take hold in our lives, something incredible happens. Right? This synthesis, that's a great science word, but this synthesis starts to happen, right? We grow. And when we grow in a healthy way, we become fruitful. This is the natural out, outcome of following Jesus' call. When we grow in a healthy way, we become fruitful. It's a natural outcome of following Jesus' call, right? And, and I think that's a great, where I don't want to go back and, and reteach last week's message but you know as I was studying and preparing it even resonated with me more right because the first thing I'll say is the call to be fruitful which is what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about this idea of being fruitful and that's where you found Jesus talking to his disciples and when you're fruitful and what do you do and if you are fruitful if you're not fruitful right and so we're going to talk about that and we're going to focus the, a bit there and the first thing I'll tell you is the call to be fruitful is the call to be an apprentice that's something that Brett talked about last week, right? He called the disciples. Um, we talked about following him and how he called them. And, and I'm not going to go back and reteach that message as excited as I got as I was, as I was looking and seeing as that is the foundation, that be, the call is the beginning, right? But to be, to be fruitful, you need to be an apprentice. And follow in our culture this, this today has a very, very different connotation than it's meant, I won't even say back then, than it's meant sort of even historically. If you go back... 10 years ago, if somebody said follow, they, they wouldn't think what you're thinking or possibly thinking, certainly what our kids are likely thinking, right, which is we follow, like we follow our favorite influencers on Instagram or our favorite personalities, we just, we click follow or we, we have a topic that we love, right, we, pick, we find the hashtag, hashtag uh, fruitful and on uh, Twitter and we, we put it in there and we can follow that and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm following, I, I see everything that pops up all these places, right, that has a a different meaning in a social media connected culture. Um, and I'll say probably a, a shallower meaning, almost certainly a shallower meaning than it meant, right? When Jesus said, follow me, 
This is a call to much more than just hashtag Jesus, right? This was a call to be his apprentice. And we saw that. Brett talked about it in the first message of the series with Andrew and Peter and how he came down and they were fishing. They were doing their life's work, what they had been trained to do, trained many generations of fishermen with their father. And he said, follow me. And he didn't just mean like, hey, click like on my uh, ministry and follow my podcast. He meant follow me. And they put down what they were doing. They walked away from the course that their life was on and going to take to something entirely new. It changed up who they related with, who they connected with, how they supported themselves, everything, right? An apprentice doesn't just observe the actions of their master in a feed or from afar. They're participating alongside that that master, and they're changed and they grow by those actions, right? And let 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 me key that masters mold and shape their apprentices, but it's usually through years of hard work, years But Jesus' call is different. And that'll take us to our second key point, right? The call to be fruitful is a call to abide. And honestly, this is really where we start, right? If last week was sort of a long intro to this idea and the idea of following, abiding is really where I want to spend some time. And I'm going to ask you to go to another verse, John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It'll be up here, but I'll also read it to you. It said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this... Excuse me. My fa- by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These, the, these things have I spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full." Well, if you guys, did you guys catch a, a key word there? I mean, it was like as subtle as, a, as, as an elephant in a, in a tiny closet, right? It's abide. Now, I know this is a word that we've translated, but this word that means abide, it's 15 times in this one little section of Scripture. And I hope that makes you say, huh, I guess I should probably understand what that means. I should probably pay attention to that. And what is abiding? What is it? Right? So... The Bible tells us it's to stay, or not the Bible, the definition, if you look at it, it says it's to stay in a given place or a state in relation to something, to be in expectancy, to continue in something, dwell, endure, be present with, stand, right? It's a, it's a steadfast waiting. But you're like, wait, we're talking about fruitfulness. That, that sounds like the opposite of what will cause growth and fruitfulness, right? Because Why? What does our culture tell us? Do, 
do, do, right? Just like when we get to the beginning, if I was talking to my, my student, I likely go and say, look at all that you have now. What are you going to go do? What things can you add to do to, be, to do your life? Do, do, do. And this message for these Jews in this time was just as anti-cultural to them as it is, feels to us, right? That we're going to abide and we're going to become fruitful by, by abiding and sitting. That was not what they wanted to hear. And Brett talked about that as well, right? Because they were waiting for a thousand years for their Messiah. And they weren't waiting for somebody who, a Messiah who would come and say, oh, and now abide, wait, dwell, be with me. Right? They were looking for something much more than that. He said they had, they had been promised a, a people and a place and they had spent a thousand years of persecution, of losing, of trying to get that place, of losing that place, of being taken into captivity. No, they did not want to hear abide, to be fruitful. They wanted to hear a Messiah who came and said, here's the things we're going to do and here's how we're going to set up this kingdom. They wanted victory and action, right? So this was as just as counterintuitive and countercultural to them as you may find it is to you today. But what I'm telling you, what I hope to show you this morning is that the call to abide is not a call to be stagnant or to be passive, right? Because one, abiding is learning. If you go to Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? So abiding is learning. The Lord wants us to take on his yoke, which again, this sort of weird idea of, of carrying something, but it's easy and it's light. And he desires that when we do that, that we learn from him. Abiding is also patience and practice and consistency, which is, we could say something that kids aren't good at, but it's something that none of us, are, for the most part, are good at. We don't naturally want to be patient. We don't like to practice. I think of, of my son who plays piano and his siblings before him. And we said, hey, you wanna, I want to learn to play guitar. I want to learn to play piano. Okay, great. Then we'll get you some lessons and you have to practice. Oh, well, I, I, I don't love that. I don't want to do that. Like, oh, this same song, like I, I played through it like, one and a half times, like I'm almost good, like I'm almost perfect, I'm good, right? Dwelling in persistence and practice is not natural to us. In fact, my son and I did Kung Fu, and there's an idea in Kung Fu that to learn some of these forms can take 10,000 hours of practice. And that's something actually that the mathematician Malcolm Gladwell also, he put in a book, the idea of 10,000 hours of spent focusing on something, some action, some topic, something, 10,000 hours before you can start to even have a working mastery of it, right? Abiding takes time. It takes time and patience and endurance being with Jesus and learning from him and being with him. I, I laugh, too, because, you know, what's the hot thing uh, with the youth, gener with, our, with especially younger kids, they want to do, right? They want to be a, a YouTuber. They go on and they have all these channels on YouTube, and they're like, oh, this is what I want to do. Uh, but then they, they go see how hard it is to make even a single video, how much time and effort it takes to set up the shots and figure it out, put it all together, to edit it together and put it up. 
And then you put that first video up and you're like, I got three views. And you're like, wait, I, this, Mr. Beast put up a video of, of like keeping your hand on an airplane and you got like 50 million views in, in one hour. And like my really great video of doing something, like I got three views. And they're like, well, wait, maybe I don't want to be a YouTuber. Because it takes time and patience and endurance. And that's not fulfilling to our flesh. Right? So it takes time. Biting also involves pruning and shaping, which sounds great when we're talking about our plants. Doesn't sound so great when we're talking about our lives, right? But without the pruning, as we saw in this passage, without the pruning of the vine dresser, a grapevine is not nearly as fruitful. Guys, this is something I struggle in real life. I have all these plants. I love growing plants. I have grapevines. I have trees. I have all these things. But man, when it comes time to prune them, my wife can attest I don't, I don't like to. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to, like, they look so good. I don't want to cut them back. And that's how I feel in my life. But we see here and we see in life when you do that, when you look and say this branch is not going to be fruitful. This branch looks good now. It's grown fast. But if it's going to take away, this, this branch isn't going to be good in the long run. It's going to warp it to the side or it's not going to be fruitful and you are willing to prune it off. Yeah, in the moment, you're like, oh, but man, it looks so bare. It looks so sparse. But give it time and fruitfulness. The fruit comes forth. And we're resistant to that same change in our life because what we know is comfortable, even if it doesn't cause growth, right? What we know is, is routine. And even though we'll say, ah, I want to I get in shape. I want to get better. I want to learn this thing. But when we start to do that, it's, it's not comfortable, it's not easy. It's not easy to, to add into your routine or it's not easy to take the place of something you do um, even if we know it'll cause growth. But guys, we aren't called to be there, to be in that place and be, uh, we're called not to be stagnant, right? Well, so the call, then, then they'll come to the next point which is that the call to be fruitful is a call actually to flourish, the call to be fruitful is a call to flourish. Apprenticing, learning, practicing, pruning. Man, I don't know. That sounds tiring to me. That doesn't really sound like a, a, a recipe to flourish and to grow. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty tiring. Am I, is that really going to get us to the point of, of flourishing? Well, guys, we have to look at how we view. Because the way the world views these things is... A complete opposite of the way that Jesus and Bible teaches us. Right? Fruitfulness in the world's eyes leads to busyness. There was an article by a lady named Elizabeth Colbert called No Time. How did we get so busy? It was in the New Yorker in 2014. But mostly what she was talking about is an article or a little essay that was written by an a extremely well-known uh, economist named John Maynard Keynes. Um, he was one of the most influential economists of the 20th century, but he was around pre-Depression, early 19, 19, 1920s era, um, and he wrote this essay, this short essay, it was called Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. Wrote it in like the winter of 2028, and he, he worked on it, it changed a little bit, or he was developing it, but that was where he initially put it out. Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. And a quote that stuck out, according to Keynes, the 19th century had unleashed such a torrent of technological innovation, 
electricity, petrol, steel, rubber, cotton, the chemical industries, automatic machinery and the methods of mass production, right? All of these things, that further growth, growth was inevitable. Nothing could happen but to grow. And the size of the global economy, he forecast, would increase sevenfold in the following century, right? So up to the, like 2000, that time frame, up to even now where we are, it would increase seven times. And this, in concert with even ever greater technical improvements, would usher in the 15-hour work week. Right? So that's what we're all enjoying. You guys all have your, your 15-hour work week, right? All those technological innovations. No, that's not what we've seen. That's not what happened, right? Actually, the economy, if they went and looked, he, the economy, he, under, he underestimated how the economy was going to grow. I think I read it something like 14 times of growth, right? So we should be at the seven and a half hour work week or something like that, right? The point of his essay was that he was so worried, or he was worried that with all these innovations, all this stuff, all these new processes, that we were going to free up so much time that the challenge that we would be dealing with as we sit here today was how do we stay engaged and active in our minds and, and engaged in life having so much free time because we didn't need to work. But we all know that's not how it turned out, right? When we get technology and optimizations and all these things that, gives, that could give us time, what do we do? We fill it with more stuff. Right? So we don't work even 40 hours in a lot of cases. We work 50 hours or we work 40 hours at a job and we work a number more at home and in other places. Right? When we make space in our, and we get technology or other ways that make space, we just fill that space with more busyness. And why is that? Well, work may not set us free. This is a quote, right, from the article. Work may not set us free, but it lends meaning to our days. And without it, We'd be lost. Oh, that's, that's a somewhat adult idea, not in the like graphic idea, but like you're just graduating, you're just finishing school, you're early in your life. You don't want to hear that like, oh, but work gives me meaning because, but we know there's some biblical truth to that, right? The Lord, when he talked to Adam and Eve, he said, hey, I'm going to, you're going to put your hands not just in the punishment, but there was this idea of work and giving them fulfillment. So there's a good part there, but we've taken sort of the spiritual side of that out. And so what are we left with as a society? The view that most people have, if we didn't have work, we're, we don't have much meaning to our days. And it, it comes out, we see whether you've experienced it with parents or grandparents and, or people you know, as people leave and retire this Western idea of like, oh, I get to 60, 62, 65, and I retire. If they don't have something that they do that adds meaning to their life, this once vibrant person quickly turns into a, you know, a shell of what they were. It's, it's strange. But guys, fruitfulness in the kingdom of God does not result in busyness. Fruitfulness in the kingdom of God leads to love, to joy, and to peace. That's, that's pretty different, right? Because I'm sure your 40, 50 hour work week doesn't really leave you feeling love, joy, and peace, right? But fruitfulness in the kingdom of God will not result in those same things. It will result in love, joy, and peace. Uh, a pastor that, um, that we've followed or I followed and um, 
the guy named Chris Lazo, when he was teaching about this, he said, the solution to busyness isn't laziness, right? We said it's not the call to do nothing. It's not a call to be stagnant. It doesn't lead, it isn't laziness, it's, but recalibration. God's purpose for you, his calling on your life is to be with him in deep, loving communion. Our primary, I love this part. Our primary calling as Christians is withness, not busyness. Withness precedes busyness, right? Withness. I mean, we make these words up, but they're effective, right? Withness. The Lord wants to be with you. In John 17, 3, it won't be up. I'll just say, it says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Right? Eternal life is not just, as a, is not just like a length of life, but as a, a quality of life, of how you view life. Eternal life is not defined by a quantity of achievement, but rather a quality of relationship. Let that sit for a second. Eternal life is not defined by a quantity of achievement, but rather a quality of relationship. Right? God doesn't care how many things you did, how many tasks you did, whether you made the iPhone that influenced an entire, the worldwide generation, or you just planted some seeds and tended a, a tomato plant. It's not, your eternal life is not going to be defined by that quantity of how many things you did, but rather the quality of the relationship that you have with Jesus. And so, in light of that, the fact that his burden is easy and his yoke is light, oh, that's, that's impactful, right? Because that quality of relationship is something that should come and is easily received. So, what's our application? I'm doing pretty good. I'm proud of myself. What's the application, right? Well, our first and call, primary calling is intimacy with God, not doing. I love this. This is another, no, I didn't make this up, but I love it, right? We are human being, not a human doing, right? You're a human being. And that's probably not why they came with that word, but like that play on words. Our calling is to be a human being. The Lord wants to be with us, not the things that we've done and the result of fruitfulness is something that we all long for. Every human longs for. Love, joy, and peace. What is that? Human flourishing. Human flourishing. And that's something that we tried to build in right to the mission of who we are. Right? When we look at South Point's mission, I didn't put it up here. I probably should have, but I didn't. So you'll have to listen in. Right? We desire something we said is one of our values is transformed lives. And what do we say there? We desire deep, ongoing growth in our relationship with Christ. And I, I emphasize to myself, as we are changed by him, our actions and our attitudes will follow. And what happens? We become busy people? No, what we hope and what we desire, what we learn today, is we become people of freedom, prayer, worship, generosity, and service, which impacts all of those in our community. And how do we get there? Transformed lives come from an abiding apprenticeship to Jesus. How does that work? Well, that's where, if we go back to the first verse in Mark, right, we jumped in and all these things, you have these, these, 
skills and gifts, and he's like, you don't want to hide it. And, and it's, I thought the ending of that is a little bit weird, right? If we go back to verse 26, it says, and he said, the kingdom of God is if you should, man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. That's, you probably read that and you're like, ah, it's kind of weird. But I think it's spiritually, supernaturally perfect. If the end of that verse said, the kingdom of God is this. It's these, here's the ten steps that you need to do to achieve the kingdom of God. Guess what? We'd do all those ten. We'd make like 27 more for each of the sub-steps to be sure that we did it. Right? Because why wouldn't we? We want to be responsible with what the Lord told us. But God says, no. It's a mystery. It's like when you spread seed in your lawn or on the ground, uh, how those things sprout. I mean, you know you got to give it some water. You know you had to put it out there. But how the mechanism of how that happens, and I know whatever, if you're like a molecular biologist and you're going to break it down to me, I, that's not the point. To the main person, the magic of how a seed, how I can take a seed out of an avocado that I eat and put it in a pot and roots pop out and a sprout starts to grow and a plant comes forth. That mystery is important because it tells us that God is going to work and he works in a way that's independent of the steps, the actions that we do. Does it mean we shouldn't do anything? We should just sit back? No. He wants to work alongside us or be alongside us, but he doesn't need our work for us to be fruitful. It's a mystery. It's hard for us to understand and to comprehend but God promises that he'll use it. And I want to take a little time, because I have time. I put my notes, if time. I have time. To speak a little bit to the young adults, the ones who are either graduating, who are about to graduate, maybe who just graduated, maybe the ones who are listening, and maybe they're not just the young adults. Maybe it's you as an adult, right? There's... A hard transition to see when you go from the apprenticing and then to yourself abiding. Apprenticing has to some extent, at least in this world, a very visible manifestation. So our kids, whether they liked it or not, are apprenticed under us. From the time they're born until the time they leave the house, they are watching and they're, they're following. We are telling them in some cases what they do and when they do it, how they wake up, what they need to do, what chores they need to do. But we do that, hopefully, not with the uh, spirit of just loading them with stuff, but we're trying to teach them. We're teaching them how to navigate through life. So we bring them to church. We wake them up. We say, hey, it's time we should go. We go on Sunday. We go home. Hey, we need to cook food. We eat three meals a day. You need to, you know, brush your teeth. All these things, right? We apprentice. Your kids have been apprenticed. And you, youth, have been apprenticed, whether you liked it or not, in most cases, under your parents. And so as you do that, you hopefully are learning to start to abide and walk with the Lord. Well, first walk with the Lord and then abide with the Lord. But I will say to you as you walk out, and again, as adults, if you have been walking and, and been uh, apprenticing under somebody who's been guiding you, great. Abiding, though, is something that is not as easily seen. And it's something that is really not something that we can measure externally. This is a thing that's between now you and the Lord. And so my challenge and my ammunition to the youth, but also to maybe some of you adults, is ask yourself, am I actually abiding? 
And as you go off on your own, am I abiding, which I'd say is indicative of a real and authentic relationship of your own with the Lord? Am I abiding with him? Or was I apprenticing under my parents, maybe who told me, made me, you know, I go here, I show up. Because it's those things that you decide to do on your own and the relationship that you have on your own that is the real, true evidence. And I'll tell you that for me, that was a difficult transition. I was apprenticed under my parents. I knew all the right things. I knew how to, to, to do the actions of a Christian life. But turning that into a genuine walk of my own where I abided with the Lord and became fruitful was something that took me actually years. And I wasn't honest with myself about where that was. And so, not to end with that sort of thing, but if that's where you find yourself, if you find yourself and your fruitfulness is really more because of the actions and the things that you see somebody else doing and that they tell you to do, then I'd encourage you to go back and and say, Lord, I want to be fruitful because of my genuine relationship with you. Because that is, like we said, where feels love, joy, peace, flourishment. We'll continue, and Brett will continue with uh, the rest of that idea, right? Because, okay, now you're flourished, and we talked about in why do we want to be transformed lives, right? That last part of we want to impact those in our community. That's where we'll go, where we'll go right? Is Jesus calls a call to service. That's something that Brett will, will take you through. But I think that we're kind of in a transition phase here, right? If the first messages in Mark were looking at how Jesus changed us, today we kind of see how that change now prepares us. And now we'll look and see how that change prepares us to engage with the world. So if you guys, if I, if you guys would join me in prayer, if I could ask the uh, worship band to make their way up. Lord, we love you. And you make it almost too easy for us in that we would, even though we would never be able to keep up with it, we much desire steps, busyness. We want to know what are the five things, the ten things, the hundred things that we need to do to be flourishing Christians with love and joy, peace in our lives. We want steps. That's easy. And we like that because when we do those steps, we can point back and say, look at what I did. But as this passage tells us today, You just desire to be with us, for us to spend time at your feet, to learn from you, to see how you engaged with the world, how you responded and reacted to people, how you loved people, how you challenged people even more than they ever thought that they wanted to, that they could be. And that resulted in love and joy and peace, a flourishing, healthy, spiritual life. But Lord, we we have difficulty with that. And so we just pray that you would calm our spirits that you would calm our minds, that you would give us a vision of the value it is to abide with you. Not in a day. Each day is precious, Lord, but in the weeks, in the months, in the years. And Lord, that wouldn't feel busy. It would be easy. You say your burden is, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. And Lord, it's a, a unique, I think, opportunity as we, we talk about abiding and being fruitful that we find ourselves at the first Sunday of the month, the Sunday that we as a body join together and partake of communion. Because communion is about abiding with you as you joined. And I won't get into the communion message, but as you joined with your disciples, you desired a picture of 
spending time and being. And Lord, so we pray that you would prepare us even now, Lord, as we would go from thinking, talking, learning about abiding and get the chance in just a, a small way to practice abiding. Lord, we just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.